Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen, Christos Anesti. Hey, we're blessed to welcome uh, one of the blessed servants from uh, uh, the Phoenix, Arizona area, from St. Mark Coptic Orthodox Church in Phoenix, Alex Gerges, uh, who is a subdeacon and a very close friend of St. Gregory, and today we'll be blessed to hear the homily uh, from his mouth. Uh, may the Lord open our hearts so that we can hear the words of the Holy Spirit through him. Good morning, everyone. Christos Anesti, Christ is risen. Messiah Hokam. Then a little bonus one. The Christos Aftonf. All right, awesome. We have we have some very learned people here. Thank God. Um, as you all know, we are in the Holy Fifty Days, and today is the sixth Sunday of the Holy Fifty Days. Uh, so one more to go. And if, if if you feel the same way I do you'll feel that the Holy 50 Days has rushed by. I, I feel like it was just yesterday, we were praying Palm Sunday, entering, uh, celebrating Christ, entering into Jerusalem as a, as a king, praying all of Holy Week, enjoying his holy resurrection, and now we have celebrated his ascension, which we celebrated last Thursday. Um, as we come to the end of our journey in the Holy 50 Days, this Sunday and the next are, are a little bit special. As, as you can see, some of the hymns have changed from what we've been doing for the previous 40 days, right? Now we're on day, what, 43? And, uh, and we, we see some, some different hymns, and that's to celebrate the Ascension, because as I said, we celebrated the Ascension last Thursday. Um, and next week, of course, is the Pentecost. However, a focus on the ascension, I think, is necessary for our salvation because although it's not a it's not a much celebrated feast, uh, many people do not attend the feast of ascension because it comes in the middle of the week. It is the completion of our salvation, and it's especially important if you are a human being. So, if you are a human, you must celebrate the ascension, and we'll and we'll say why. In the liturgy of Saint Gregory, in the prayer of reconciliation, there's a beautiful prayer where he focuses. Uh, uh, and, and, and one part on the ascension. And there's a very key word that is said in that prayer. Um, we talk about the ascension, and St. Gregory says, and at your ascension in the body. At your ascension in the body. And that's a very important phrase, in the body. Because as you all know, Christ came and took flesh. And he took the flesh of human beings. And that flesh was raised with him from the dead, and that flesh is what he ascended with into heaven. So he, he went into heaven in the body. And that body is our form. So we have our form. We have a representation of our own form in heaven. And if you don't hear anything else I say, just take that point home because the rest of my sermon is going to be about this one point. The fact that Christ ascended in the body into heaven. And how we have a representation of humanity before the throne of God. So, if that is the case, then why does the gospel start out today saying, And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. This is John chapter 16, verses 23 through 24. What Christ is saying here, the point of it is to point our hearts to heaven. So my first point here is that he is our direction. Here's where we orient ourselves, where we look, 
where we focus on, right? Christ is asking us to put our hearts to heaven, to point our hearts to heaven. Let's give some context of what we're reading here in John chapter 16. This is the final, um, the, the final dissertation that Christ gives right before he is given up to be betrayed. So Christ is speaking the, the, these words right, right before this. And John 16 is an, it's basically predicting his death, resurrection, and his ascension. People forget that last part. It is predicting his ascension. Um, and we're, we're going to read that part soon. So why does he say, you will ask me nothing in that day? If Christ is ascending to heaven, does that mean we no longer have a connection with him? He was here on earth with us. He walked as a man with us on earth. And the disciples were interacting with him day after day. But now he ascended into heaven. Did we lose our connection with him? St. Augustine says the following. He says that the, I, 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 I paraphrased it here because it was a very long quote. But he says that the apostles will no longer be able to ask him anything. They were, uh, because the things that they were asking were things that were of the mind before the ascension. But now, after his ascension, they can direct their minds and hearts toward where he is, which is with his Father. And as a result, we must point our hearts to heavenly things. The things that we were asking Christ before his ascension were earthly things. You know, things of the earthly nature, trying to understand who we are. But now that we see that he's ascended in the body into heaven, now, we must ascend our thoughts, we must ascend our, our hearts, we must ascend our prayers to heavenly things. In the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 1, St. Paul says the following, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of, the, of God. Uh, another translation says, instead of saying, seek those things which are above, it, it says, set your hearts on things which are above, right? So this is what St. Paul tells us also. It's, it's, it's the same thing. The fact that Christ has ascended into heaven, we should lift our entire uh, being up to heaven with him. Um, a little bit of church rites is, is kind of interesting. So in, in this 40-day period after his resurrection until his ascension, right? So those 40 days from the resurrection to the ascension, we see in the Gospels that Christ does not permanently stay with the apostles. Um, but he only appears to them from time to time. And it's always in some miraculous way or in some mysterious manner, in some way that is different than before. We see in some of those cases the apostles didn't even recognize him sometimes because of the glory um, that, that he was showing them between these, these 40 days. St. John Chrysostom comments and says the following. He says, he was not always with them now as he was before the resurrection. He came and again disappeared, thus leading them on to higher conceptions. He no longer permitted them to continue in their former relationship toward him, but took effectual measures to secure these two objects. Number one, the fact that his resurrection should be believed. And number two, that he himself should be ever apprehended to be greater than man. Right? So what's the point of Christ appearing and, and, and disappearing? There's some church rites. Uh, some, some churches do this, some don't. But there's actually some church rites where they don't actually put the icon of resurrection outside. They only put it inside the altar. 
right? And then during the, during the procession that we do, they bring the icon outside to represent Christ is appearing and disappearing, appearing and disappearing during these holy 40 days. Um, Father George Florovsky, a very, very uh, celebrated the theologian in the Eastern Orthodox Church, he makes this point as well. He says, the Lord did not rise in order to return again to the fleshly order of life, but Christ arose forever unto eternity. He arose in a body of glory, immortal and incorruptible. By his resurrection, he abolished and destroyed death, and now he ascends to the Father, but he does not go away. He abides with the faithful forever, for he raises the very earth with him to heaven and even higher than any heaven, right? So the main point of what I said in all this is that he is our direction. Because Christ ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, we must do this with our entire being. We must ascend our thoughts, our hearts, our mind to sit uh, at the right hand of the, of the Father with Christ, right? This is where we live. Christ didn't rise from the dead so we can go back to the life that he was living bo before he rose from the dead. No, he rose from the dead to give us a new life, right? And the ascension solidifies that. If we read later on in the, in, in the chapter, we see Christ say something else. He says, I come forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. This is John 16, 28. And the point here is number two, he is our hope. Don't think that this verse means that Christ is far away from us. There's two different um, uh, church fathers from two different traditions saying the exact same thing. I'm gonna read the quotes quickly here. St. Cyril of, of Alexandria, right, from the Alexandrian tradition, from our tradition, says the following. When Jesus says that he came into this world and again left the world and went to the Father, he does not mean that he either abandoned the Father when he became man or that he abandoned the human race when in the flesh he went to the Father. For he is truly God and with his ineffable power fills all things and is not far from anything that exists. When Christ came from heaven to earth, no one would dare say he abandoned the Father to come here. So we cannot also say that when Christ left us to go back to the Father, that he's abandoning us, right? It's the same thing. Christ exists all in all, and he fills every living thing. St. Augustine from the Western tradition says the same thing. He says, in coming into the world, he came forth in such a sense from the Father that he did not leave the Father behind. And when he leaves the world, he goes to the Father in such a sense that he does not forsake the world. For he came forth from the Father because he is of the Father. And he came into the world and showing to the world his bodily form that he received from the Virgin. He left the world by a bodily, right in the body, by a bodily withdrawal. He proceeded to the Father by ascension as man. But he did not forsake the world in the ruling activity of his presence. It is of benefit that Christ has ascended. Because now at his ascension, we have Christ bringing human nature into heaven, right? Humans had never entered into the dominion of God before. When humans were created, they were, in, they were in paradise. But now, in heaven, at the right hand of the Father, there's a representation of humanity. He is there interceding for us, as it says in the book of Romans chapter eight, right? He is, because he sits at the right hand of the Father, he can intercede for those who are like him. He became a human like us. We are like him. And 
at the right hand of the Father, he is constantly interceding for us. Right? So the first point is that he is our direction. The second point is that he is our hope. Right? It is, and of course he said, it is to my advantage that I go away. But he did not leave us as orphans. He gave us his Holy Spirit. And that's what uh, the church will meditate on next week, God, God willing. But there's one more point I want to bring, and it's the end of, of this, of this uh, gospel. And it's a, it is a beautiful, beautiful verse that I think a lot of us quote many times. Christ spoke these things to them, and then he says in John 16, 33, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So the third point here is he is our victory. The, uh, the Pauline epistle starts out proclaiming the victory of the resurrection. And his ascension is also a victory. I want to quote to you a couple of Bible verses, and then I will conclude. If we look at, uh, St. Paul talks about Christ all throughout the, the book of Hebrews and how he fulfilled everything. And then when he gets to Hebrews chapter 12, he tells us to look at Christ in a very particular way. And he says the following. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, St. Paul writes the following. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with the endurance, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What is St. Paul saying here? Christ is the finisher and the author of our salvation. And he finished that by sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. When Christ was here on earth, he suffered. When Christ was here on earth, he felt pain. He felt trials. He felt tribulation, just like each and every one of us. But now where is he? He's sitting at the right hand of God. Do those sufferings and do, do those pains affect him anymore? No. So why are we weighed down by our sin? Why are we weighed down by the way of the world? In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world, right? Christ was able to endure all the suffering and all the pain, and now we see his victory ascended into heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father. The same will happen for us. If we are persistent and we endure in our tribulations, we will be with him where he is. That was his promise to us. So the world should not shake us. The world should not keep us down because Christ has overcome the world. It's not just St. Paul. St. Peter says the same thing. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 22, he says, says who has, but he's talking about Christ, so I'll, I'll put in the word Christ here. Christ, who has gone into heaven and sat at the right hand of God, Angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him, right? So not only are the troubles and the tribulations of the earth nothing for, for Christ who conquered them, but even the angels, the authorities, and the powers are subject to him. Okay, maybe I'm not tied down by earthly things, but the demonic attacks are, are always attacking me. Christ has also conquered those. There is nothing to fear. He sits at the right hand of the Father, and all powers are subject to him. All angels, all principalities. 
That's what the uh, that's what the book of Peter says. So, if Christ has conquered every earthly thing and conquered all of the heavenly beings, what is left to oppress us? There is nothing. He truly has overcome the world. And because he's sitting on his throne as king, no one can de- no one can dethrone him. Which means what? That our flesh, our, our, our human form, in the form of Christ, will be reigning forever. And this should be our hope. The Messianic Psalm, Psalm 109 in the Septuagint version, or, uh, version, or Psalm 110 in the Masoretic text, is probably the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. Christ himself quotes it multiple times, and of course, the other New Testament writers quote the psalm as well. And the first verse of the psalm says the following, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Right? So Christ is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And any adversative power, any power that is challenging Christ will be made his footstool. Not even they will be conquered, but they will be made his footstool. A complete and utter submission to him. Nothing in the world can affect Christ. Nothing in, uh, none of the heavenly beings can overthrow Christ. And he is in our form sitting at the right hand of the Father. Therefore, for us, there's truly nothing to fear. Christ has conquered everything, right? So I'm gonna conclude with another um, meditation from Father George Florovsky. He says, in the ascension resides the meaning and the fullness of Christ's resurrection. And with Christ, man's nature ascends also, right? So now that we are living in an elevated state, here is my prayer. I pray that we raise our hearts and we raise our lives to heaven with Christ and ascend to be heavenly men and heavenly women, just as Christ is, and, uh, and he has conquered everything for us. Glory be to God forever. Amen.